Welcome to this special episode of Consulting with Authority. This is your host, Scott Cantrell. And for this week, I thought I would dig into the archives and dust off uh, one of my favorite presentations uh, from the past that I gave to a group of mastermind partners that uh, I was facilitating at the time. Uh, this presentation walks you through three core strategies from a prospecting and marketing and business development standpoint to help you keep your pipeline full. Um, it was video recorded. The audio is a little bit rough because of the mic, but it's not so difficult you can't listen to it. I hope you take tremendous value away from it, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Consulting with Authority. So we're going to jump into this. I'm going to be going fast because I want to kind of try to get caught up a little bit on time. I got a lot of content to go through. Some of you who have been with us for maybe even just a year, certainly some of the charters will see some information that you've seen before. You may not remember it, so there's a reason it's in the presentation again. I'm going to keep talking about the same stuff until you all start implementing it. <laughs> so if you want to hear me talk about something new next time, then I want to see this stuff more or less implemented, or I at least want you to have a strategic decision as to why you did not implement it. And you got to tell that to me, and then I got to believe you, all right? So if you want to hear something new, I want to see the work, <laughs> all right? All right, we're going to talk about three powerful strategies. Before we get into this, a big concept, and it begins with this guy. Anybody know who this is? I heard Mozart. What else? Who? I heard Mark first, Isaac Newton. I'm going to give him an Amazon iTunes or Starbucks card for getting the answer right, because it's just money, right? Who cares? So, um, Mark, you get to... <laughs> it's uh, Mark, you get your choice back there whenever you want. This is Isaac Newton. So this was going to be my hint if no one knew or didn't get the right answer. Apple calculus, historic mathematician, obviously physicist, early physicist, etc. Yep, it's Isaac Newton. But the real question is, who cares? Right? In terms of what we're talking about today, he's kind of an important dude in our history, but in terms of this room, why should we care? Well, Isaac Newton discovered the law of gravity. And in case you're not sort of familiar with the law of gravity. These breakthrough balls are sort of, you know, illustrating it, but basically it says this, that every mass in the universe attracts every other mass at some level. The more massive something is, the more of an attractive force it has. And like any good law that's proven in science, it has, it is proven, which means it's not just an idea. It works every single time. It's science. It's scientific. It's a law. It exists. Gravity is real, at least as far as we know now. It's a law. Works every time. So what I want to talk to you today about first, before we get into the tactics, is this strategy called the law of market gravity. And basically what this says is by increasing your sphere of influence, you increase your attractiveness to your ideal prospects in the marketplace. Remember, the more massive something is, the more of an attractive force it has. So the more massive your market gravity is, the bigger your sphere of influence is, the more of an attractive force you have on your ideal clients. And this is a law, which means just like normal gravity, it works every single time. So then the question becomes, what's the goal? How do we, uh, how do we achieve it is a secondary question, but what is the result of market gravity? It allows you to transform your business or practice into the preeminent choice the preeminent choice for your ideal prospects. And remember, when we say prospects, I'm not just talking about prospects that you don't work with. I'm talking also about the prospects that you do work with that we commonly call clients. That's right. Your clients are always your prospects. It's really important that you understand that. The minute you think of your clients differently than you think of your prospects or the minute you think of your prospects differently than you think of your clients, you're missing a huge opportunity. Now, I understand the difference between business that we have and we're trying to keep and business that we don't have that we're trying to get. There is a technical difference. But in terms of how you think about the value you provide to those two groups, it needs to be a much more blurry line. Because if you'll treat your prospects like clients, they'll become and if you'll treat your clients as if you're trying to win their business every time, as if they're prospects, they'll stay. They're all prospects. They're all prospects. Now, if you want to get rid of one of your clients or the bottom 10% of your clients, then forget that they're prospects. 
and they'll leave, or at least they'll, they'll begin to erode. So you want to become the preeminent choice so they think of your business first whenever they have a problem or an opportunity or a challenge that you can help them solve or take advantage of. That's the goal of market gravity. So what are the, there's three components, three big pieces that allow you to increase your sphere of influence. We hear this word sphere of influence thrown out all the time, especially in professional service businesses, uh, especially in our industry. You know, what's, what's your sphere of influence? Who are your influencers? Who do you have strategic alliances with? Who do you have strategic partnerships with? Sphere of influence is incredibly important. And sphere of influence, when I think of it, I think of a connection that leads to a connection that leads to a connection. How strong are those connections? That sort of dictates how influential I am in getting to the person or to the individual that I want to get to. So in terms of growing your sphere of influence, which is the mass of your attractiveness in a marketplace, there's three components. There's your visibility, there's your credibility, and there's your authority. And they're all different, but they're all important. No one, in my estimation, no one of these three is more important than the other two. Kind of like the three-legged stool, or we can look at it this way, as a Venn diagram. The yellow circle is your sphere of influence. And each of the three circles inside this Venn diagram, each of them represent one of the three components. The red one's visibility, the blue one's credibility, the green one happens to be authority. And where they overlap, when, when you are visible, credible, and, author and have authority in the mind of an ideal prospect, that's when your firm or you become the preeminent choice, is where there's a natural overlap there. So this all, is this, you're all tracking so far conceptually? Make sense? So then the question is, that sounds great, but how do we grow our sphere of influence? How do we increase our visibility, our credibility, our authority in terms of getting them to overlap and, and so we become preeminent? So let's talk about each three and what each three of them are. How visible are you and how we determine how visible our given marketplace is or how visible, our pros uh, how visible we are to our prospects and clients. So how visible are you? It's really three things. How aware are your ideal prospects of you? Do they know who you are? Do they know what your value proposition is? Do they know what you do? Do they know about your successes? So there has to be a level of awareness. Next thing is you have to be able to get their attention. And in today's world, that's one of the most difficult things to do. If we can get someone's attention, oftentimes we can get to interest. You have to get interest too. But the attention piece is really oftentimes where the rubber meets the road in terms of visibility. So awareness, attention, and interest. Now, how many people here are familiar with the ADA model in selling? Attention, interest, desire, action. ADA, right? It's an old classic selling thing. So visibility hits the first two, attention and interest. Desire and action don't come until later. So credibility, this is the second piece. So the first one is visibility. Now we're to credibility. How credible are you? So when a prospect has understanding of what you deliver, and what destination you're taking them to, then you become more credible. So they have, to know a, they have to know the destination that you can take them to. They have to have seen other clients that you've, that you've already taken to that destination, right? That's where belief comes in and trust. And then they have to understand at least a little bit, at least a little bit, the transportation that's going to get them there. So if I describe, to use Nelson's example, where he talks about destination versus transportation, and this idea that we should focus on a destination with our clients or with our prospects to get them excited about where we're taking them, and then we can talk about the transportation, he's absolutely right. Primary and foremost is destination, because no one cares how you get there until they know where you're going or until you know, you're taking them somewhere they want to go. But once that's been established, you do have to give them a little bit of the transportation enough so that they understand, believe, and trust that you can get them there with your mode of transportation. So if I'm out visiting uh, Lambert and Rudy in Southern California, and I say I want to go to Hawaii, and, I'm gonna, uh, and I've got this new great way, and I'm going to invite them on a trip to Hawaii, and they can go with me, and I say, okay, we've got this three-seat bicycle, so hop on the back two seats, and we're going to go to Hawaii. I don't know why I'm riding a horse when I'm on a three, but... <laughs> Anyway, I didn't practice that part of the, uh, the talk. Anyway, the point is the mode of transportation is not, I don't understand how a three-seat bicycle could get me to Hawaii from Southern California. I don't believe it. I don't trust it. So I'm not going to take action on it. 
So the transportation has to be delivered in a way. You don't have to focus on every aspect. So if I say, guys, come on, we're going to hop on the 747. It, leads, it leaves at 242. It's a United. Well, no, we won't take United. Um, it's a, a different airline, Southwest. We're going to hop on there and go to Hawaii. And they say, okay, yeah, plane. I get that. I've been on a plane to Hawaii before. Belief, trust, and understanding. So you have to give them a little bit of transportation, just enough so that they have understanding, belief, and trust on your credibility. So credibility, so visibility is about awareness. Credibility is about showing them that you can do what you say you can do. One of the simplest ways to do that is to talk about social proof, examples of your success, case studies, testimonials, review, um, reference in, in the world of, of being hired, right? It's references, right? Why does someone call references? It may be about authority, certainly not about vis visibility in terms of getting a gig. It's about credibility. Is this, does this, is this person telling the truth? Can this person support what they're promising? That's all, you're, that's all you're doing with the credibility piece, is you're proving and supporting what you promise. The last one is authority. How authoritative are you? So this is about demonstrating your skill and knowledge. It's about demonstration of your skill and knowledge. So this is experiential. And your goal is to impress them, to a point. This is not about impressing them to brag. This is about impressing them to prove to them that you are an authority on that topic. Whatever that topic or that concept or that premise or that service or that strategy or whatever it is. So demonstration, experience, and the, the goal is to impress. So that's what you have to do to achieve visibility, credibility, and to be authoritative. That's the law of market gravity. That's the concept for today. All right, so that's the big idea. What you want to do in your marketing now, in your prospecting, is you want to choose strategies as all, not all marketing strategies will, will work with the law of market gravity. Every good marketing strategy, every good marketing strategy will positively affect at least one of these. If you're currently doing something from a marketing standpoint that isn't positively affecting one of these, and that's pretty impossible to do if it's marketing at all, then you need to revisit it. But what I wanted to focus on today, there, there are a handful, there are a handful of methods, prospecting marketing methods, that actually can allow you to improve and establish all three simultaneously. So if we just focused on visibility and we grew visibility by itself, would our sphere of influence eventually grow? Yes, no. Yeah, of course, right? If visibility by itself got bigger, the circle would eventually have to expand, even if these two stayed the same, right? But what happens if two of them expand at the same time? Does the circle get bigger faster or, or slower? Faster. It's multiplicative, actually. And then what about authority? If we're able to expand all three simultaneously, what happens to the sphere of influence then? It's exponentially accelerated. Right? We go from one to two, that's additive or multiplicative in that case because it's small. But we go to three, that's an exponential increase. The sphere gets bigger faster. So let's talk about the strategies that can affect all three so that you can achieve marketplace preeminence faster and easier. So here's the question. Which one's the best ones to create market gravity? Now I'm going to give you three today. There's more than three that can affect all three of those areas at the same time. The three I'm going to show you are three that have worked for us, that is Nelson and I, and have worked at least for some, you know, all of you, or I should say all of these strategies have been implemented by at least one person in this room very successfully, okay? So what are the techniques? Strategy one is speaking. I'm doing it right now. I'm increasing my sphere of influence at an exponential rate in this moment. Talk about pulling the curtain back, right? Why do you think Nelson and I speak every time? Well, our egos really like it, especially when I run around, you guys give me high fives until I get up here and I'm out of breath, then my ego you know, goes back down a little bit. So there is that aspect of it, but there's a bigger reason or a, a equally as important reason why we are in front of you every time we can be in this capacity. Now, I don't want to steal any of Nelson's thunder from the presentation tomorrow, where we really are going to pull back the curtain on bottom line solutions a little bit. It's actually a pretty dangerous thing for us to do, but we're going to do it anyway, because we believe in what we do and we know it works. But strategy one is speaking. Being in front of a group 
of your ideal prospects and clients. And when you are in that speaking role, you're leveraging what we call the Rainmaker Method. And the Rainmaker Method is simply what's on the screen. Properly leveraging live presentations and public speaking opportunities to engage many ideal prospects at one single time to quickly fill your pipeline with qualified client candidates. Andy said it earlier this morning when we were doing the Mastermind 3.0 session. Andy said, I just got tired of talking to one person at a time when I can talk to more than one person at a time. Mick alluded to it earlier when he said, we fish with a net. We bring on five and eight clients at a time, not one at a time, right? It's the same principle. He may not be using speaking to do it, although you are going to be next month, right? So this one-to-many idea is one of the reasons this, this strategy is so effective. And you've heard me say it before. I hope you have. That speaking, when it's done properly, this is the concept. This is the, this is the model to, to learn from the other masters, the fact to use speaking. Then, there's the, then you have to master the mechanics. But when you master the mechanics and you do this properly, and, and I want to debrief on your guys' event, by the way, at some point. When you guys do this properly, you can see really fantastic results. So why is speaking... Why does speaking allow you to increase your sphere of influence at the same time? Well, first of all, if you're in front of a group of prospects, people who may not know you so well, now this is a little bit different, right? This is our event. You guys have invested your time, effort, and money to be here with us. But still speaking is increasing our sphere of influence even though we already have pre-existing relationships with everyone in the room. But let's say we didn't, right? Let's say we were doing what Pete, Pete did just a few days ago, right? When did you guys have your event? Tuesday, Wednesday, so 48 hours ago. Do what Andy did, do what Mick's gonna do next month, what a lot of you have already done in terms of events. When you do that and you're inviting your prospects, you are visible. You're visible in two ways. You're visible in the invitation phase and you're visible when you speak. So speaking is not just about being in front of the group. Speaking is about giving you a reason to be visible to the person who may not show up, all right? So we're leveraging a marketing method to provide ourselves a reason to reach out and deliver value to a prospect or to a client. It doesn't matter if they show up. We want them to show up. That's better for all of us if they show up. But if they don't, we now have a reason to invite them to something and to communicate our value proposition to them, whether they show up or not. And if they don't show up, what do we have a reason to do? We have a reason to reach out to them and ask them why they weren't there. And we have a reason to tell them all the stuff they missed. From a credibility standpoint, in your presentations, and Deb, do you mind me? Uh, I mean, this is, this is all transparency. We're all friends here. What Deb did in her presentation was masterful in terms of talking about Jeff's experience and Dan's experience and John's future experience. That was, that was a master class in how to create credibility and authority in her, her speaking opportunity. I want you guys to pay attention not just to um, what's happening up here, but how it's happening up here, right? at this event, at Ascend, at other events you attend. Right? The magic for you is not just in what you hear, it's in how these things work. And again, Nelson's going to highlight a lot of that tomorrow. But speaking is about establishing credibility, highlighting your successes, highlighting why your proven process, why that transportation can get that person from A to B successfully, consistently, over, over and over again. And then authority, right? What is speaking other than a demonstration of your knowledge, experience, and skill? That's all it is, right? I'm communicating to you my skill, my expertise, my ideas. And if you all believe in any of them, right, then I'm establishing a higher level of authority. You don't have to, like Brian said, I mean, I, I love what you said. You know, some of these ideas you're going to love, some of them you might not. Take away the ones you love. Same thing, same thing here, right? Except for me. You know, I have a little bit bigger ego. Do this stuff. 99% of it, right? Probably should do 99% of what they're doing too, but Brian's very, very humble. Um, so at any rate, here are the reasons why speaking is so powerful specifically. I know you've had time to sort of look through this slide now, but I just want to hit on the top two things. We, one we've already talked about, one-to-many. Why go one-to-one -one when you can do one-to-many? doesn't mean you abandon one-on-ones. One after, the, after the speaking... You still have to sit down with the person one-on-one. -on -one. But from an engagement, from an initial engagement, it's extremely effective. Uh, Lambert does events consistently as well. I could, I could show, I could do a lot of examples. But positions you as the preeminent authority in your marketplace. 
So if you are up on stage, the platform in front of an audience, and you're speaking on what the future of ACA may look like, no one knows, right? No one has a crystal ball, no one can tell you. But if you're speaking about it, and you're logical and thoughtful and about what it might be or what it might not be, are you going to be an authority on that subject, even though you don't have a crystal ball? Of course. Of course you are. Of course you are. And then there's these other, other items as well. The last one's not, not unimportant. Speaking allows you to collect contact information so that you can have easy follow-up. And there are good ways to do that, and then there are not so good ways to do that. And then you cannot do it at all, which is probably the worst. <laughs> um, and Andy, I think you're going to talk about, about this, so I'm not going to get into the mechanics right now. You're going to hear a show and tell from Andy uh, around mechanics. So what are some speaking strategies, specific ones? So you can speak for existing groups. That's a fast and easy way to get started in speaking. And there's a program called the Rainmaker Academy um, that we produced that actually shows you exactly how to identify and get in front of existing groups to speak to. It's something that Nelson and I did early, early on in Bottom Line Solutions. We still do it today. It's something that's incredibly, uh, I say incredibly, it's easy to do when you know how to do it in your given marketplace. There are exceptions to that. So I'm not going to tell you that it works perfectly in every single market. But in 80 to 90% of the markets, uh, speaking for existing groups will work, work fine. You can host your own events. And for most of you, that is a legitimate choice. For Nelson and I early, early on, and probably for you early, early on, it was not a legitimate choice. It didn't make sense for us to try to host our own event. But over time, it did. So whether we're talking about industry symposiums that are niched, that are specific to a particular niche, or if we're talking about executive breakfast, uh, which you guys do, is it breakfast or do you do lunch or? You could, usually breakfast and you invite small business owners, usually in a niche, right? Specific niche to come and they share content. Effective for you? Yep. Uh, or you can do this online. So host webinars for clients and prospects. A podcast is another form of speaking. If you're not familiar with meetup.com, you can actually start a meetup.com group. Dan? Yeah. Yeah. What what did you say, Mick? <laughs> yeah, have you ever yeah, what's the what's the results from it? Any? I mean, significant? Yeah, I mean, our producers, our, our, our EV guy and our, our PNC people will call the cards. So people come to the cable, and so they'll dial all the people afterwards. Because a few calls, that's something to stay neutral. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, w I would agree. I would agree. I would agree with that. One of our, to, to Craig's exact point, um, you know, a great quote is when you step in front of an audience, you have to be willing to alienate half the audience because if you're willing to alienate half the audience, you'll grab the other half by the throat. You guys are the half by the throat. You guys know that, right? You guys know that when we stand up at a send or when we're on a webinar and we're talking about mastermind, you understand maybe not half. But when we go through that process and we talk about what we do and how sucky the status quo is for brokers and how a broker who's unwilling to change isn't worth the time and they don't need to stay in business and they're not going to stay in business and they're not relevant anymore, all that may be true, right? doesn't matter if it's true or not, but we're alienating a large percentage of our market. You guys know that, right? This is the, this is the other side. This is the remembered part. The others, they're ignoring us. Well, guess what we're doing to them? We're leaving them behind. You guys are leaving them in the dust. All right, so that's an excellent, excellent point. The other thing I would do with 10 minutes is I would come up with 
one memorable big idea. One memorable big idea. And I would make it as controversial and contrarian against all of the other people in the room as I possibly could without calling any of their mamas ugly. <laughs> right? and, then I, and then I would say, I would say I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to say something that flies in the face of conventional wisdom and I'm going to be completely contrarian and half of you are going to hate me for saying it, but the other half of you are going to nod your head in complete agreement. That's what's going to happen as soon as I say this. And so what did I just do with that statement? So what will happen regardless of what I say now? They want to know what bucket they're in. Exactly. So does it matter what I say? Nope. Are they automatically going to put themselves in one of those buckets regardless of what I say? Could I almost sing the lyrics of Gilligan's Island and half the people would hate me and half the people would love me? Almost. I could almost get away with that because I set the expectations so clearly and so vehemently and so confidently that that's, that's the result. So that's, the, that's one thing I would do. The other thing I would do is what Andy's going to talk about from a mechanics tomorrow in terms of an assessment process. And that process is the secret to making any speaking event um, work long term, work after the, after the talk. The key thing is, if you're in, that, in that specific environment, it is an ROI question. So if you've gotten some ROI from it in the past, mix asking the right question. Why go? If the answer is because we've gotten ROI in the past and we think we can do better, then you go and you try to do better. And so some of these strategies are ways to do better. The last thing I will say about that is um, the assessment piece. Da, 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 oh, clear distinction. You, them. You against everybody else. We are not a broker. We're not like, uh, these folks out here, you're, they're fine for what they do. Oh, what a, great, what a great phrase. They're fine for what they do. All right. All right, Andy. I was going to say, Dan, I was at the HR function last September, and it was their annual conference. And to that point, I was nervous because we often like to refer to it as the HR ghetto sometimes. And I specifically wrote a presentation saying my team, this is either going to be kicked out of the room or they're going to absolutely love it. Because I called out brokers, I called out everybody, and there were about 12 brokers. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you got to go for it. So, And you guys are in a position where you could absolutely do that. Absolutely. Great advice. This strategy, regardless of whether you go to an event, you speak at the event, uh, speak at an existing event, host your own, with very few exceptions in this room, all of you should be doing this. It should be a meaningful part of your marketing mix. A meaningful part. So you, the key thing, the secret to this, though, the secret to speaking is up here on, on the screen. In terms of speaking and getting attention and interest, that's visibility is one thing. Speaking and getting credibility is another thing. Speaking and getting all three, right, is one thing. That's what we're doing now. But then taking that preeminence, now that you are the preeminent choice and moving it into a meaningful one-on-one, that's, that's different. That's mechanics. That's very important. And that's the secret to making it pay off, is, is getting, building the bridge between the talk and the follow-up appointment. And to do that, 
There's other ways to do it, but the most consistently easy, meaningful way to do it, effective way to do it, is through some sort of assessment process, at least in our experience. So as a mastermind partner, I mentioned the Rainmaker Academy. This is the process that shows you exactly how to do all this. It gives you templates galore, ton of tools. It's available for all of our mastermind partners here. So tinyurl.com Rainmaker Access. I'll send out all these links too, so you can feel free to write them down and take a picture, but I will send all these out to our mastermind partners. Uh, and it's an online training program. Now you as the agency leader can go through part of it if you want, but you may have people for that, that right? That should rather be better for them to go through it. But just understanding that speaking is the fastest, easiest, most productive and effective way to fill up your pipeline. If anybody can show me something faster, easier, or less expensive, I am all about it. But I haven't seen anything in marketing for over 20 years. So, all right, strategy number two, introductions. Remember, I said I'm gonna keep saying this stuff until you all start implementing it. So multiple times with most of you in the room, I've shared this introduction strategy about how to stimulate referrals. And a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of you have, have used it in some, some shape, form, or fashion, which is great. I'm talking to everybody else. And it'll be a good review for that one or two people. So the idea is to ask for specific introductions versus open-ended referrals. The difference is this. Mark, uh, I'll, use a, I'll use a real-world example. This is not for a client of ours. This is for a potential strategic partnership. So Mark, you mentioned that you were doing some outbound prospecting. What was the name of that company that you're using for that? PT Services. PT Services, excellent. You know, we're, we're always open to looking for other resources to bring to the mastermind. PT Services, who are you working with at PT Services? Uh, account manager is, is Robert. Robert, would you mind making an introduction either to Nelson or me to Robert so we can have a conversation? Sure. I think there might be some cool ways we can work together. As opposed to, Mark, what vendors can you think of that might be beneficial for the mastermind? Now, he could answer that question, because he knows some, right? But which question is easier for him to execute on? The first one, right? Much, much easier for him to execute on the first one, right? The second one, he's got to go into his Rolodex, and Mark would be able to pull some out, no problem. But he's got to think of them. And then he's got to be willing to introduce. Now, that's a little bit different because that's a vendor relationship, a resource relationship. A little different in a prospect or client relationship, but it's the same thing. We want to ask for specific introductions versus open-ended referrals. And who are the best people to ask for specific introductions from? Who? Clients. Right? They're the best ones. Now, strategic partners are another great one. Right? Other, resource, other uh, <clears throat> influencers, you know, uh, centers of influence that you may have. But you want them to personally introduce you to specific decision makers that you decide on. So let's talk about uh, why this is so powerful, and then I'll lay out the process for you here. So this is fast, easy access to otherwise hard-to-reach potential clients, or at least potentially hard-to-reach potential clients. All right, but you're getting an implicit or explicit endorsement from a trusted colleague or friend. It costs very little money. It costs you a little bit of time and effort, but it's time and effort well, well invested. And it can be leveraged for the long term. This is not a strategy. As long as you have clients or centers of influence or strategic partners who know people, as long as that is true, any one of those things, this strategy won't dry, won't dry up. Because those people are always meeting other people, just like you're always meeting other people. So this is a long-term marketing strategy, and it will help lock in existing clients. So if, I'm going to pick on you again, Mark. If Mark refers us to an agency leader who becomes a master, again, pulling back the curtain here. If Mark refers us to an agency leader who becomes a mastermind partner, is Mark more likely to stay in the mastermind or less likely to stay in the mastermind? More. So long as that individual has a positive experience, Mark has just locked himself in a little bit. Now, if he has a bad experience, would he leave? Sure, yeah. But is that, is it, it's harder for him to do that, right? Because now he's putting his name on the line in terms of a referral. You all already know this, I know, but this is, this is it in practice. So let's talk about what this, what this process looks like. This is it. You connect with your clients via LinkedIn. Most of you should already be connected to almost all of your clients or your centers of influence or your strategic partners, right? 
Then we want to identify worthwhile connections. So we want to identify who those people know that we want as clients. Who do those people know that we want as clients? And we can identify that by looking at second tier connections on LinkedIn. There's other ways to do it too, but LinkedIn makes it pretty efficient. Some of them you may just know, right? They're in the chamber. I know they play golf every Saturday and I, I got him as a client. I want him as a client. Well, that's a slam dunk, right? So some of them you may just know, but if you don't, LinkedIn is a great research tool. Next, you want to schedule the meeting with that center of influence, that strategic alliance partner, that client. And all you do when you schedule a meeting is it's an email. Your assistant can do it or someone in our team can do it or you can do it with a phone call and say, hey, listen, Mark, um, we're actually going to be up. I'm going to be up in uh, the Athens, Ohio area. And uh, I, I wanted to stop in and you know, take you out to lunch, just catch up, make sure everything's going well. If you have any questions, it's an opportunity for us to get together, blah, blah, blah. Mark's going to say, oh, yeah, okay, I'll make the time. You're not here a lot, da, 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 right? So we'll set a meeting. We'll grab coffee. We'll have lunch. I'm going to talk to Mark. Again, I'm just using Mark as an example. I'm going to talk to Mark about his business. I'm going to provide him insight recommendations. I'm going to demonstrate uh, authority by giving him knowledge and insight and recommendations and, and that kind of thing. And then at the end, I'm going to say, Mark, thanks for taking the time. Listen, you know, as you know, we're trying to grow the mastermind group. And one of the most effective ways we can do that, and one of the most meaningful ways we can do that, is by having our existing partners recommend people for the group. So what I've done is I've identified some uh, agency leaders that I think you might know. Uh, and if you agree that you think they'd benefit from the group, I'd love a personal introduction. So here's the list. Boom. Or you can name them. This person, this person, person. You don't have to put them on paper. Right? Oh, yeah, I know that person, and I know that person, and I'll be happy to send an introduction. So you have the meeting, you ask for the introductions, then you have to get the introductions. It's one thing to ask for them, it's another thing to get them. So Mark is a very busy guy. He's got a lot going on. It's my job to make sure that Mark remembers what he agreed to do for me, and then it's my job to empower him to do it. It's my job to make it as easy on Mark as possible to introduce me to the person that I think I can help. It's not Mark's job to remember. It's not Mark's job to know what to say. It's my job to empower him. If he wants to divert from that process, he can, but my job to empower him. So then I'm going to show you that in a second. Get the introductions, then we follow up on the introductions. Hi, Tom. Uh, listen, I was having lunch with one of my great clients, Mark Schneider, in Athens, Ohio the other day. He actually recommended I call you because he, <clears throat> he thought you might really benefit from a group that we have. And um, I don't know if you'd be a good fit for it or not, but I at least wanted to follow up with you, have a conversation. Um, and I told Mark I'd let him know the outcome of our conversation. What just happened? Well, am I going to get that meeting? How many times out of 10 am I going to get that meeting? Yeah, this is the interactive part of the show, right? Nine times, 90 out of 100, 99 times out of 100, I'm going to get that meeting because they know Mark and they trust Mark. So I'm leveraging Mark's credibility, authority, and visibility for my own benefit. I'm leveraging Mark's sphere of influence for my own benefit. That's what introductions are all about. Okay? Yeah. Mark know the outcome. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to let Mark know the outcome of our conversation. That's, that's big. Oh, yeah. That's a writer downer. Um, so the secret to this is doing it. <laughs> that's it. There's doing it. There's, there's some mastery of the mechanics, but it's really just doing it. You guys have clients, you have strategic partners, you have centers of influence. There's no reason that you and or your producers shouldn't be doing this on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. There's just no reason not to. At, at the very, let's say you just did this with your clients. What's the worst thing that can happen? They meet with a client. And you find out that they're unwilling to introduce you to somebody. That's, I guess that's the worst thing. And then what does that tell you about maybe the situation? If they're unwilling to introduce you to someone, maybe you're not doing a good job. Do you think maybe that's also important to know? So is there a poor, is there a bad outcome of this situation? No. So please don't make me talk about this again. <laughs> please don't make me talk about this again. Um, you have access to that referral strategy document. It walks you through all the steps. And then what you can't see here is that all the language 
is on this side of the page and on the second page of this document. All the language, the email that I recommend that you send to Mark to remind him, the language that you ask him to use that he can use or not use, it's all on this document. So if you go to attendascend.com little hinges, we actually made this available before Ascend, but I know a lot of people look, uh, overlooked it. So if you just go to there right now, there's seven little hinges. One of them is this referral strategy. Eric. So piggyback on the last thing you said, The outcome? Yeah, I was talking about, you know, I just want to report back the outcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've used a version, I've never used that, I like it. I've used a version of that version of that for many, many years to help get a call back or email back or whatever. And it's something as simple as just, um, you're a salesperson, salespeople are not famously known for living up to promises. So in the voicemail, it's always, I promised Scott I'd give you a call. I gave him my word, I promised him I'd give awesome. you a call. Please give me a call back. And you'll get a awesome. call back. I like it. Yes, wow. We really close. Wow. Hey, if. All right. So, Eric, you get to pick yourself out a card. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I, I, I got a bunch of the cards back there, so you can have mine. All right. That's good. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Breakthrough. Boom. All right. Last strategy content. So content's a really broad topic, so I'm gonna hit on this at a high level, and a lot of you are doing this one really well, actually. Uh, Mick, Mick is making this a, a key part of his strategy. Eric is a master at it. I could do several examples. Uh, Craig is obviously preeminent in this world. If you wanna to talk to somebody about leveraging content successfully, talk to Craig Lack. Uh, so become a thought leader. So it's about consistently providing your clients in the marketplace insight and information that affirms their desire or need to hear from you, follow you, learn from you, and work, and or work with you and your team. Ultimately though, I mean, my ego likes the fact that you guys are listening to me now. My ego likes the fact that maybe you're learning something. Hopefully it's beneficial for you too, but my ego likes that. Ultimately, my ego really likes this one, but my bank account likes this one the most, right? And ultimately, if we're in business, ego is, secondary to everything else. We kind of have to kick our ego to the curb. And at the end of the day, it's not about how good we feel or it's not about the accolades we get from the audience that we're in front of or from the readers who read our content. It's about what we're able to produce in terms of meaningful result for ourselves and for the people we serve. That's always what it has to come back to. What value do we truly bring in terms of result? So how do we go from content to results? So that's what we want to create. Becoming a thought leader is about consistently providing insight and information to affirm the prospect's need and desire to follow you, listen to you, learn from you, and work with you. So why is it so powerful? I don't think I have to explain this. Thought leaders don't have to sell anything, right? In terms of, in his world, in Craig Lack's world, when he has positioned himself successfully as a thought leader to, to a CFO or to a CEO he goes and, and talks in front of or speaks to, He's not selling anything. There's no sale to be made. The sale was made when they read his article in Inc. Inc. Magazine. The sale was made when they read his article in Entrepreneur. It just came out. The sale was made when he sent them a copy of his book. That's when the sale was made. When, 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 in, his mind, when in their mind there was a click from who's this guy to holy crap, this is the best consultant that we've never heard of, according to Inc. Magazine, boom, click, Flip, switch flipped, he's a thought leader. Trust is inherent. Now, does Craig have to deliver? Uh-huh. His content's made huge promises. Is Craig confident he can deliver? Mm-hmm. Can he? Mm-hmm. So obviously, whatever promises you're making in your content, you gotta be able to back them up. That's true always, right? That's always true. We should never promise something that we don't honestly believe we can deliver on. But when you can do that, you position yourself as a thought leader, trust is inherent. Your efforts pay off forever, effectively forever. Certainly they pay off now, because when the thing happens now, we can talk about it now. But then when the content, the content gets re-leveraged over time, on and on and on. It doesn't go away, right? Is, especially if you're creating evergreen content. Content, ACA would be a bad example. 
right? So do or die to some extent. Uh, most of do or die is evergreen. But there are a few chapters in do or die that are not evergreen. That's why we're thinking about re-releasing and writing a new book. But anyway, allows you to effectively compete against anyone else. No one can compete against Craig because Craig is that thought leader. And I, I know I keep using Craig, but he's a, he's a preeminent example in this room for now. No one can compete against him. He, he is competing in a vacuum. He's competing in a vast blue ocean. If you haven't read Blue Ocean Strategy, the Blue Ocean book, do that. Finally, when your client is working with a celebrity, John, where's John? John. John just said he's in a room full of celebrities. So you can say, according to other agency leaders across the country, I'm a celebrity. <laughs> when people believe that they're working with uh, a thought leader, a true celebrity expert in the field, they have bragging rights. And when you can give a client bragging rights, you've done something pretty cool. When someone looks at someone else and says, yeah, I'm working with that Craig Lack guy. You know, he, you know what Inc. Magazine said about him? Inc. Magazine said he's the best consultant you've ever heard of. But I'm working with him. I've heard of him. Don't think that that doesn't happen. It happens all the time. It's already happening for you. This is just about being intentional with it. That's all. Your clients are already saying that every once in a while about you. Of course. Right? Because you're good at what you do. You deliver. You provide value. Those conversations are happening. They're just not, create, they're not being created intentionally. Craig? Enough for me. <laughs> That's a different kind of bragging rights, Mick. Uh, it's a different kind. All right. So what you see on the screen now, that's great, Craig. Um, we're filling up the bucket. All right. Is content strategy. So offering lead magnets. So these are just pieces of content, right, where you're asking for contact information. You're giving something incredibly insightful, valuable piece of information away. In, in return for the person's contact information. The idea is, I'm going to give you this great piece of content, um, and I'm going to continue to give you great pieces of content, but I need to know who you are. That's the idea. Okay? By the way, if you're not familiar with ClickFunnels, I talked about this a little bit at Ascend. ClickFunnels is an incredibly powerful online engagement platform. I would encourage all of you to take a look at it and potentially utilize it. It's not right for everybody, but it's incredibly powerful. It's what we're pretty much moving to in terms of marketing online. LinkedIn updates and posts, so having some kind of consistent LinkedIn strategy. Eric has his national, national day. Uh, yeah, tuna rights, right? Uh, national, uh, he has his update about whatever the national day is. Plus, he's pretty prolific in terms of writing, and a lot of you are. Andy is as well. Um, articles, white paper, special reports, magazines. Mark and then Rudy both are working on producing a magazine for their respective geographies and marketplaces. This one is overlooked a lot, but I think it's really, really important, especially in our volatile, chaotic world right now. An industry memo or a letter to the blank. So Nelson is really where I learned this concept. So Nelson, your letter to the carriers. Wasn't that in the magazine? Wasn't that a frame you used in your article recently about, about the junkies? So how many times have we... Have we? How many times have you written a letter to some industry group since we've been doing this? Five, seven times? Me? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. A bunch of times. Yes. What I need you to say is a lot, Scott, and that strategy works like gangbusters. You all need to do it. That's what I need you to say. Uh, yes, a lot, Scott, and that strategy works like gangbusters. You really don't do it. Thank you. All right, perfect. So what is your letter? Who is your letter to? Right? Is it to the other brokers? That's what effectively what, what Mick is working on, his article, an article that he's working on, and the article that you wrote and that you delivered that got downloaded all these times. That was effectively, it was, it was a letter to the industry, effectively, right? 
But if you reframe it that way, it's suddenly us against them. It's that separation, Dan, we were talking about. Of This is the way we do things. This, this system's broken. All right? But we're fixing it. All right? And then finally, a book. A book is one of the most powerful content strategies that you can have. In fact, from a written standpoint, it's probably the most impactful. And the reason, I don't really understand the psychology behind it. I could talk about it all day. It doesn't really matter. The point is that it is incredibly impactful at a psychological level. I don't know if it's because people think that it's a whole lot of work to write a book or because someone printed a bunch of copies, it must be good. I don't know. I don't know. I've read plenty of crappy books, so I don't understand. But the point is it's incredibly impactful when it's utilized properly. So here's the secret to success. You need to have something to say. That's one, that's one note. But your sources are plentiful. So even if you don't have something to say, these people in this room have a lot to say. And you could interview them and share that as your letter to your niche, to your industry, to your whatever. Personal experience, client experiences, industry trends, editorials on other people's content, et cetera. Those are all sources, all places that you can pull from. Plus, there are content libraries that you can find as well. And you can do research and find something online that you can editorialize on, et cetera. You want to write a little bit every week. Now, some of you are going to be incredibly prolific. Some of you do a whole lot more than this already. But if you're not, excuse me, if you're not doing anything, start with writing just a little bit every week. If you're not doing anything, put an update or two on LinkedIn every week. Just commit to doing one update a week on LinkedIn and then grow it over time. That's all. So that's content strategy. So I hope you got a lot of value uh, from that presentation that I delivered uh, a couple of years ago. Um, it uh, has some tremendous gold in it. So hopefully you were taking notes. And more importantly, as valuable as your notes are, I hope you take action on what you learned. Right, Just one idea, one little hinge can swing open a big door. So for Consulting with Authority, this is Scott Cantrell, as always, wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.